Happy Sabbath, church family. I hope you're doing all right wherever you are. I just want to say at the beginning right here that we've been having a, a challenge, so there'll be no PowerPoint this morning, but there'll be power in the point. Hallelujah, somebody. There'll be power in the point. We have talked about three kings. We've talked about Ahab. We've talked about Rehoboam. We've talked about Josiah. Ahab learns that God fights anywhere, everywhere. Wherever you are, God can fight. Rehoboam learns that some fights he shouldn't fight. Indeed, God will tell you, no, do not fight this fight. Josiah learns by death that some fights should not be fought and do not go undercover in order to fight those fights. Uh, this morning, I bring you episode number four. We're not going to talk about a king. We're going to talk about a pastor. We're going to talk about a preacher. We're going to talk about an apostle. You know his name, Paul. And I want to read the words that he spoke in the second book or the second letter of Corinthians. Uh, the letter to the Corinthian church in chapter 7 and verses number 5 to verse number 7. Uh, read with me and if you can turn your Bibles to that passage. Once again, we don't have PowerPoint, but we have power in the point. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 to 7. The word of God reads like this. Uh, I'm reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fears within. But God, who comforts, the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. I love that. It's just, it just makes me feel so good. God knows how to comfort the downcast, the depressed, the disheartened, the discouraged. God knows how to deal with those kind of people. Uh, verse number seven says, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. Just for sermonic emphasis this morning, verse number six, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Uh, this morning, if you will just deal with me, uh, work with me, let's uh, look at the concept uh, uncomfortable uh, fights, uncomfortable uh, fights. Let us pray. Mighty God, speak through this man to your men and women and children. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Fighting uncomfortable fights. Fighting uncomfortable fights. You haggle for prices, but can't haggle for your salary. Uh, you feel like a fish out of water when asked to speak in public. You climb walls better than you navigate trails. You faint on the mic, but paint on the canvas. Uh, you thrive with a book, but survive on Facebook. <laughs> you can't remember the last digits of uh, that phone number, but you remember the last argument that you had. Uh, you set your outfit, but you can't set uh, the settings on uh, your phone. Do you feel uncomfortable? In certain things, I do. See, no, no wonder 
Picasso is known for painting, not boxing. Uh, no wonder Barack is known for leadership and not fellowship. Uh, no wonder Iron Mike is known for trading blows, not writing books. Uh, no wonder Jakarta Central Church is known for church and not a factory for making a clutch. We all have certain areas of comfort. Uh, there are things that uh, make us feel uh, at home. Uh, we don't have to think too much. But when we get into certain things, uh, we become uncomfortable. But after all, that is what fighting is all about. Fighting is doing what is uncomfortable. Fighting is moving from the comfort zone to the uncomfortable zone. I'm here to suggest that uh, there are some uh, uncomfortable situations, uh, there are uh, some uncomfortable places, uh, there are some uncomfortable conversations, uh, there are some uncomfortable exercise regiments, there are some uncomfortable buildings, there are some uncomfortable uh, books, uh, there are some uncomfortable outfits that we must get comfortable with. Now, those of you who have a phlegmatic personality or are uh, known as blessed are the peacemakers uh, may not like what I'm talking about here. Those of you who the relationship is going so good and you have never gotten in an argument with your significant other, uh, you may consider me a heretic when I say uh, you need to get uncomfortable sometimes. Uh, you need to fight sometimes. I know that uh, some of you are very comfortable with uh, being quiet the whole day. If somebody has made you mad, you're going to enact World War III, uh, another version of uh, what I call the silent cold war. Uh, you will not talk to that person because they have made you mad. And until they come to your feet and, and, and bow at your feet, that is the only time that you're going to uh, talk to them. Some of you are not comfortable being quiet. You are comfortable running your mouth like a water tap. You're going to get into the conversation. You're going to argue. You're going to argue. You're going to argue. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm here to suggest to you in this theme this morning, uncomfortable fights, that you must be willing to fight uncomfortable fights. Paul finds himself in an uncomfortable fight. It is a fight he has been in before, but it's a fight that he would not want to be in. Uh, Paul has become a great apostle. Uh, Paul has visited an area called Corinth there in Greece. After an 18-month period, Paul establishes a church and he leaves the church. But when he's leaving the church, he is leaving on good terms. Things are going all right. But when he leaves Corinth, not everything was fine. When he leaves Corinth, not everything was going all right. Uh, the tech team is telling me that uh, the PowerPoint is coming back. So I want to praise the Lord for that. So they are trying to catch up with me. You know what I mean? So let's praise the Lord for, for the tech team. Can somebody say amen out there? Now, now you see, Paul's relationship with the church of Corinth was, was, was great. But sometimes in relationships, there comes a moment when you must attack or address uh, a situation and a lot of times that situation is uncomfortable you understand what I'm talking about that you must deal with that issue but when you think about it it starts making you sweat you feel cold chills on your back and and, and you don't feel comfortable about having this conversation but you need to talk about it and so Paul understands that some things have happened in the church of Corinth that he must address. But hear me carefully that it's risky business to put a relationship on the line to make things fine. The things in Corinth were not fine. Uh, a man, a son, was caught in the bed with his own mother. Uh, you don't need to go to any university to know that it ain't all right. Uh, to be in bed with your own mother. But that was one of the things that was not fine in Corinth. 
Some of the influential church members within Corinth uh, took each other to court. But when they took each other to court, uh, they made Christianity look bad. Uh, some people that had become Christians and believers uh, had not always been uh, upstanding people. They used to worship idols and do all those kind of things. So when they would go to the marketplace, unlike us, because we go to Grand Lucky or Farmer's Market or Ranch, or, uh, a ranch Market or Carrefour, you know, we just know that the meat is here. We just know that this is there and that is there. We don't really know where things are coming from. We don't know where they come from. But in the time of Paul, when somebody bought meat at the marketplace, they knew where the meat came from. And so some of the members in Corinth who had just come into the faith would go to the marketplace and they would buy meat. And it was meat offered to idols. And people would know, hey, brother has bought meat offered to idols. And some people would be like, hey, listen, you're a Christian now. You cannot... <clears throat> You cannot be eating food offered to idols. And the person is like, hold up. This is just food. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's been offered to idols or not. It's just food. I'm going to eat this. And it created a situation where diet became a prerequisite or a requirement for salvation. Just like some of us here today will make diet a prerequisite of salvation we we make vegetarianism something that is and uh, it's so important that if people are not eating vegetarian uh, vegetarian food we look at them sideways and be like hey you know you're not supposed to be eating this kind this kind of food and, and instead of encouraging them we end up discouraging them and they can actually lose their way and so some people in Corinth were being discouraged because somebody look at their plate and they say uh-uh no that's not good food to eat uh-uh no you cannot do that but the cherry on top in Corinth was uh, some leaders that had become leaders within the church. Uh, they came from Jerusalem and they came to Corinth and they came with licenses. You know, doctors and, and lawyers and other professions require you to get a license, a permit for you to practice. It's the same thing for pastors. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, Paul didn't have a license for ministry. He didn't go to Jerusalem, get his license and be like you. you I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a minister of the gospel. He didn't do that. Paul went another direction. What he did was he allowed uh, his results in changed lives to be the license for his ministry. But the leaders in the church that had come from Jerusalem could not compete. Hear this. They could not compete with the results. So they decided to attack the personality of Paul. And what had happened was some of the people in the church, they got out of team Paul and they got on team new leaders. See, Paul could have unsheathed his apostolic sword and he could have gone into the church of Corinth and say you know what I'm an apostle of the gospel I have taught you about Jesus how can you turn your back on me like this you know what this is wrong what you're doing this this and this but Paul understood that the pen was a better sword Paul understood that persuasion was better than coercion Paul understood a man convinced against his will is of the op of the same opinion still so Paul decided to sit at his desk and he wrote a letter to address the issues that were there in the church of Corinth. Paul intended, instead of barking at them, instead of harking at them, instead of stalking them, instead of getting on them for what they did, Paul decided that a better strategy was to write a letter so that they could understand where he was coming from. Yes, it is like that sometimes, that you must change the strategy if you're going to be successful. You cannot fight the battle. You cannot fight the argument. You cannot get in the situation the same way you did in the past. The methods of 2019 are not good enough for 2020.
The methods that you used in your past relationship are not good for the new relationship. The, the way you used to handle yourself in your old job is not the way you should handle yourself in this new job. Am I speaking to somebody? We need to learn to strategize. We need to learn to rationalize. We need to learn to, to see the situation and meet the situation based upon the situation. Don't meet the situation based upon how you think you should meet the situation. Sometimes weakness requires you to apply strength. Sometimes strength requires you to apply weakness. Are you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes argumentation requires you to apply what I call a listenation. <laughs> Sometimes you have to say, you know what? I'm not going to apply for this job the same way that I did. I'm not going to pray the same way that I have been praying. I'm not going to read the same way that I've been reading. I'm not going to be preaching the same way I've been preaching. I'm not going to be singing the same way I've been singing. I'm not going to be doing ministry the same way I've been doing ministry. I'm not going to lead the same way I've been leading. I'm not going to follow the same way I've been following. I need to change the strategy because if I don't change the strategy, then I'm going to be in the dumpster of failure and I'm not going to achieve the purpose of which I intended to achieve. Uh, Paul, if you could be quiet in the room, Paul decides to write a letter and he wanted to persuade the church. He didn't want to coerce them. He didn't want to force them. But because he was so fired up about the situation that was happening in Corinth, uh, he wrote in a harsh tone. Uh, he, he wrote in, in, in a way that, uh, that could make you shake your head. Uh, sometimes you get messages from people that you're close to and they tell you things that make you wonder, is this the same person that I know? Like, who are they talking to? Like, like, is this really what is going on? Paul sent what I call a letter of reprimand. Uh, employers will write to their employees letters of reprimand. Uh, so they have realized that so-and-so is not doing so good and things are not working out. And so what ends up happening is they will write a letter of reprimand and they'll tell them, look, if you don't change, if you don't do this and this and this, we will be forced to fire you. And therefore, what they do after they write the letter, they put it in the employee's file. Paul wrote a letter of reprimand. He, he wrote a letter of demand. He wrote a letter of rebuke. And he didn't realize it that he was writing this letter of rebuke. Uh, and then he sent the letter. But as soon as he sent the letter, he's like, oh my goodness, what have I done? You know how it is, everyone, that sometimes you, 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 you write a message and, and you tell somebody something. But as soon as you tell them something, you're like, hey, why did I tell them that? You start to regret the things that you said. And so Paul started to regret the things that he said. In fact, according to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse number 12 to 13, Paul says, my spirit was not at rest. In other words, when Paul is thinking about the letter that he wrote, he's sad. He's like, man, I think I, 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 I took off the gloves here. I think I hit them harder than I should have hit them. And so Paul was put in an uncomfortable state of mind. An uncomfortable state of mind is when uh, you can't sleep at night. You toss and turn in your bed. When you're in an uncomfortable state of mind, you bite your nails. When you're in an uncomfortable state of mind, you pause your plans. Your life is not the same way. The things do not, do not go the same way because your mind is in a state of discomfort. Your mind is in a state of uncomfortability. Your mind is not in a comfort zone. You are not at the place where you are at peace and serene. You are not thinking straight. You are agitated. You are, you are not at peace because you are uncomfortable because of the fight that you have been in. 
And here is what I need you to understand. When you're on fighting uncomfortable fights, you're going to be in an uncomfortable state of mind. And that's good. Because it tells you that the fight is so important because it tells you that the people that you want to address are that important. You see, Paul was thinking hard about the mother and the son who were caught in the bed. He was thinking about their salvation. Paul was thinking about those church members who were uh, uh, litigating against each other at the courthouse. He was thinking about their salvation. Paul was thinking about that new Christian who was still eating food, sacrificed to idols. Paul was thinking about the salvation of that brother who didn't know any better. Who didn't know the difference between food offered to idols and food not offered to idols. Paul was thinking about that Christian leader who put more emphasis on license than results. Paul was thinking about their salvation and therefore he allowed himself to be in an uncomfortable state of mind because the fight was that important. Brother and sister, let me put it to you straight. When the fight is that important, when the fight matters so much, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be stressed. It is okay for you to lose sleep at night because you know that the fight is that important. There is a, a, an app on my computer. I, it's called Clean My Mac. Now, Clean My Mac uh, will analyze my computer and it will look at any duplicated files. It will look at any apps that are using more CPU, uh, they're using more RAM. Let me get my computer language straight. They're using more RAM than they need to. They're taking up more hard drive storage than they need to. And so it will go through my Mac and it will look at my Mac and it will tell me uh, this is taking up space. This is duplicated and that is duplicated. And the, the, the app is letting me know that because of duplicated documents, because of over usage of RAM, my system my machine is uncomfortable. Therefore, in order to make it uncomfortable, it needs me to push the button, clean my Mac, to get away, to get, to, to get rid of the duplicated files, to get rid of those apps that are wasting RAM. Because the app, now hear this, because the app wants to invest more resources, hear this, it wants to invest more resources into my Bible study apps so that I can read the Bible, so that I can prepare sermons. You get where I'm going with this. Uh, the, 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 the clean my Mac is letting me know. We need your Microsoft Word to be unencumbered so that you can write books and you can, you can write sermons and you can write journals and you can write your research paper. We need to put more energy into the, the important fight. The, the, the computer is not against Microsoft Word having using more RAM. It is not against my Bible software using more RAM. It is not against my Microsoft Word taking up a lot more space on my hard drive. It's okay to get on. The app allows my computer to get uncomfortable because by using those apps, I'm fighting an important fight. Brother and sister, hear me carefully. You need to go through your life and figure out, is the fight that I'm fighting an important fight? Or is it just a space Wasting fight. Is it just, uh, is it just taking up my, my memory? Is it just taking up space in my life? But if the fight is that important, you need to put all of your resources and invest them towards that fight. And I'm so glad that Paul put all of his energy and put all of his resources. He allowed himself to be uncomfortable because he wanted to fight this fight. Yes. It's okay to get uncomfortable in uh, that fight. It's all right. 
If right now you are you are having sleepless nights, if right now you are stressed all the time, if right now things are not working out because you're fighting something important, I'm here to tell you today, by the grace of God and the power invested in the sound of my voice, keep fighting that fight. I wish I had a witness in this place to tell me amen. You, you should say amen for yourself right now. Tell yourself amen, pastor. <laughs> I'm going to keep fighting. Can, can, can you just pause and say amen, pastor? I'm going to keep fighting. I, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm uncomfortable. I don't feel good. I'm not in my comfort zone, but I'm going to keep fighting. Hallelujah, somebody. It's not always going to be sweet. You're not always going to have a red carpet. You're not always going to be uh, riding in, a, in an AC car. You're not, you're not always going to be in that uh, comfortable seat. Sometimes, yes, your, 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 your backside will become numb. Sometimes you have knots in your back. That's all right. Sometimes you're going to pull hairs out of your head. That's all right. Because you know that you're fighting something that matters. Now, one of the things that I need you to know is that when you are fighting an uncomfortable fight, is that you're going to be afflicted. You are going to be afflicted. Paul says in verse number five, he says, for even when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. Look at, look at Paul. Our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted. <laughs> we were afflicted on every side. Uh, we had, he, he puts it this way, we, we had fights without, outside, external, and we had fears within, inside. I'm, I'm getting beaten up on the outside, I'm getting beaten up on the inside. Uh, you have seen this, uh, when a team wins a championship. You know what happens? You will find that the crowd is going to run into the... The, the field or they're going to run on the court because they want to celebrate with their, their team. That's what the word affliction means in the, in, the, in, in, in the Greek. It's to be crowded. It's to be surrounded. It's to experience situations that, that, that are not good. It's to be uncomfortable. And I know that somebody here is listening to me that you have fights outside and you have fears inside you fight without you fight the debt without but you fear you fear bankruptcy within you fight obesity without but you fear heart disease within you fight the books without but you fear failure within am i talking to somebody you fight your loved one without but you fear a breakup within. Am I speaking to somebody? You fight outside. Uh, you, 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 you fight people's negative comments. Uh, you fight what people think about you. You fight things going on outside of you. Some of you are fighting for the position at work. Some of you are fighting simply to be recognized. Some of you are fighting to get that appreciation from your parents and, and those who you love. You're fighting uh, without. When you look at your mailbox, when you look at your inbox, when you look at all your boxes, there is always a notice you are overdue. There is always a notice you got to pay up. And it's just like that. And inside of you, it is fear. Uh, inside of you, it is discouragement. Inside of you, things are happening. And I want you to understand that that's how it will be sometimes. We will be afflicted. We will go through difficult struggles. We will go through challenges. But please do not put on your running shoes. Please do not run away. Please do not say, I need to change the location. Please do not say, I need to change direction. Please do not say, I need to change where I'm at because the situation is too hot. I'm here to tell you that when you are in a fight, you're getting beat up from the outside. You're getting beat up from the inside. You need to stay right there. Let me prove it to you. You see, Paul was in Troas before he came to Macedonia. What that means is that in Troas, he was trying to do some ministry. He was trying to do, uh, he was trying to share the gospel. But because he was troubled about the church in Corinth, the situation, because it was so harsh, he left Troas and he went to Macedonia.
But this is what happened. There was trouble in, in Corinth. There was trouble in Troas. There was also trouble in Macedonia. Let me put it to you like this. Everywhere you go, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be affliction. There's going to be oppression. This is how life is. And you better get comfortable with that. Yes, hallelujah. You better get comfortable with that. In Jakarta, I was reading... Uh, for the last three years, this is what I was reading. For the last three years, the crime rate was 56.51% for the last three years. It's been rising. Now, you might say, in Jakarta, the crime rate is too high, so let me move over to Maidan. But I found out that in Maidan, the crime rate is 67.91%. And so it means that the crime rate in Maidan is higher than Jakarta. So you might be like, you know what? I don't like the crime rate in, in, in Jakarta. I don't like the crime rate in Maidan. Let me move over to Bali. Now, you have been used to skyscrapers in, in, in Jakarta. You go to Maidan, not as, uh, as many skyscrapers. But when you go to Bali, you find out that no building can be higher than the temple. And if you have been used to skyscrapers, it's going to be an affliction for you to be in a building that doesn't scrape the sky. I understand what I'm saying. Brother and sister, do not run away from the affliction. Rather, you need to rumble <laughs> in the affliction. You need to be a spiritual ramble. You know what I'm saying? You need to fight because God listen to this God chisels us in the midst of affliction God chisels you and he chisels out of you the bad things God makes you better in the midst of affliction you become a better person in that and so do not run away and Paul understood and he realizes that whether I'm in Corinth, whether I'm in Troas, whether I'm in Macedonia, I'm going to face difficulties and let me not fight and let me not run away, but let me be in this particular spot. Yes, but Paul, he faced affliction in Macedonia. You see, his affliction uh, comes when he says, uh, I was afflicted at every turn, fighting within and fighting without. You see, as I've said before, fighting within and fighting without represents uh, what I call serious external struggles. These are challenges that press upon you. These are challenges that grind upon you, that press you in. You know, you, 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 you feel like you have been uh, placed between two stones. And these stones are putting their pressure on you. This is what Paul was experiencing. But allow me to tell you. That Paul's fights without and fears within came because he was a frontline worker for God. Allow me just to give you a little taste of some of the things that Paul was going through. And this is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 to 30. I want you to listen to the fights without and the fears within that we are really getting at Paul because he was a frontline worker for ministry. I'm going to come back to, to that. But listen to Paul. He says, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Paul often was in danger of death. He, he speaks of times things got rough. Listen to this. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. And three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day, a night, and a day I have spent in the deep. Paul faced physical hurt, physical harm because he was on the front line for ministry. He also says this. He says, I faced dangers. He says, in dangers from rivers. Yes, Paul had to travel by river. Dangers from robbers, theft, and, and thieves. Dangers from my countrymen. His own people. His own nationality uh, was, was giving him a danger. Uh, he talks about danger from Gentiles. Those who didn't believe in God. 
dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. Paul, he faced so much affliction and fights without and fears within that he went without the basic necessities. He, he, he says, through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. But Paul went through all of this, went through all of this discomfort. He went through all this uncomfort because he was fighting a fight that mattered. And I wonder if you are fighting a fight that matters. I wonder if you wake up every day and feel that you are doing something that is bigger than you. I wonder if you wake up every day and you say, you know what? I am ready to go to the office today because I'm going to help the life of somebody. Today, I'm going to make life better for an Indonesian citizen. Today, I'm going to make life better for my wife, for my husband, for my kids, for my brother. Today, I'm going to make the life, life better for somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Today, I'm going to make life better for somebody who is dealing with mental issues. Today, I'm going to make life better for somebody who is discouraged. Today, I'm going to make, make life better for somebody who doesn't know how they're going to eat. Today, I'm going to make life better for somebody who is in the gutter and has been counted out. Today, I'm going to make life better for somebody who needs me. I wonder if you are fighting a fight that matters. I wonder if your life revolves around others or, or if your life only revolves around yourself. Paul was a frontline worker for God and he knew that it mattered that he went out. He knew that it mattered that he gave a Bible study. He knew that it mattered if he gave a sermon. He knew that it mattered if he worked for himself to support himself so that others wouldn't have to invest in him to do the ministry. He knew that it mattered that he was breathing on this planet. He knew that it mattered that he was eating food to energize himself so that he could do the work of the ministry. I wonder if you are fighting a fight that matters this morning. Or are you only fighting for your 401k? Or are you only fighting for your retirement? By the way, ain't no idea of retirement in the Bible. I wonder if you're only fighting to put your kids at a better place. I wonder if you're fighting to get you a better elevated position. Brother and sister, those are not fights that matter. You need to fight a fight that is bigger than you. And when a fight is bigger than you, then you are willing to be uncomfortable because you know that the fight is that important. Paul was a frontline worker for God. It reminds me of Kelsey Ryan, a COVID nurse in the United States. She has been on the front lines working for, for the health of those who have been affected by COVID-19. In fact, I believe she also got infected by COVID-19 and she had to be isolated from her, her patients. But after she got better, she went back to the hospital to continue the fight. Uncomfortable, yes. Wearing a mask. Wearing a double mask. Wearing a PPE or a face shield. Wearing goggles to keep her eyes from getting the virus. When she takes off the virus, I mean the, the, the PPEs, there is marks and bruises all over her face because she's been on the front lines. But because she knows that somebody on a bed struggling to breathe needs her she goes and fights because she knows that it could be somebody's last day on this earth she goes there and fights and i love what she said kelsey ryan this is what she said talking about her situation she says i still have nightmares every night my managers and best friend at work putting a tube down my throat while I'm crying and begging them not to. Just like all my patients did, I wake up choking. She's like, I went through the same situation as my, my patients and, and I went through what they went through. The a ventilator went down my throat and I experienced challenges and, and difficulties. But I keep going because my purpose is that important. I keep going because the fight is that important. Listen to this and please take this home with you. When your purpose drives you more than your appetite, the fights without and fears within won't make you quit.
when your purpose drives you more than your appetite, then the fight will not make you quit. You keep on moving. You keep on grooving. Like Paul, you will say, afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Hallelujah, somebody. You will have tenacity. You will have the gravity in your mind that I will continue fighting and I will not quit. But allow me to balance the scales for a moment. You see, we look at Paul as a Bible hero. Uh, Paul is that giant of faith that was not phased by difficulties and challenges. But please listen to Paul one more time. He says in verse number six, he said in verse number five, he says, he says, my body had no rest. Afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fears within. And in verse number six, he says, but God who comforts the downcast. I want you to, play, uh, to pay attention to what Paul has just said right here. Please do not miss this. He says, my body has no rest. That is physical exhaustion. And then he says, I am afflicted everywhere. I have fights on the outside. I have fights on the inside. And then he says, uh, God who comforts the downcast. He's basically saying, all of this that I'm going through has made me depressed. It has made me disheartened. It has made me discouraged. Yes, Paul. The prophet of God. Yes, Paul. Uh, yes, Paul. That apostle we know. Yes, Paul. The one who wrote a third of the New Testament. Yes, Paul. The one who you like to quote from when you say, I can do all things through Christ. Yes, Paul. The one you, quote, you like to quote from when he says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Yes, Paul. Who says, I have determined not to know anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yes, Paul. The one who stood before kings and, and counselors and he declared about Jesus. Yes, Paul. That spiritual superhero, that man of God, that man of faith, he was depressed. He was discouraged. He was disheartened. Brother and sister, Paul was human just like you and me. And Paul here is telling us, I struggled too. And I understand when you struggle too. And I want us to pause right here one time and, and think this carefully. We look at other people when they're struggling and they're fighting through a situation and sometimes we don't care. Sometimes we don't even think that it is right. And we say, yes, life is unfair. Um, it's, it's so bad. But we do nothing about that situation. Brother and sister, I want you to know that humanity is humanity. You and me are weak. You and me are struggle. Yes, you will see even uh, giants of faith, those who pray, those who preach, those who sing, those who do ministry, those who are always faced at church, you will see them be depressed. If you would only go with them to their house, if you only spend an hour with them, you realize that they are not as strong as they look. They are just as human as you and me. And so brother and sister, yes, it's okay to be discouraged. It's okay to be downcast. It's okay to be disheartened because that is what fights will do sometimes. Sometimes they'll put you in a situation that you are not comfortable. Sometimes you'll be like, man, I'm tired of this situation. Sometimes you'll be like, you know what? I want to give up and I, wanna, I don't want to do this no more. What's the point anyway? I'm losing my health. I'm losing my family. I'm losing my influence. I, I'm losing something. But because you know that the fight is important, you will continue to fight. And that's what Paul said. I'm afflicted. Yes. I'm struck down. Yes. But I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to continue to push through. I'm going to continue to do what I need to do. You see, what Paul did, and that's what you need to do, is to stick to God. 
like Paul, you need to be like, you know, yeah, it's going to get really bad. Like, I'm not going to like it. It's going to be uncomfortable. And I might feel discouraged. But I'm going to stick to God. Because when you've been afflicted, what happens is you get comforted. And this is what Paul tells us in verse number number six. He says, but God who comforts the downcast. (laughs) God who comforts the downcast. You know, God is an expert of depression. God is an expert of disheartenment. God is an expert of a person who just doesn't feel like getting out of bed. God is an expert of those kind of people. God is an expert of those people who want to quit. Like they have no more fighting spirit. God is an expert. God is an expert of those people lying on the hospital bed. And sick and diseased and, 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 and hooked up to the machines. God is an expert of those kind of people. And here Paul says, but God who comforts the downcast. And he comforts those who are down. Uh, who, who are counted out and, and they're out. And he says, he comforted us by the coming of Titus. An ancient preacher said this. There's nothing more guaranteed to cement a friendship than to help someone, in, someone know that they have been helpful. And here Paul wants us to understand that God has been helpful to him. Yes, he was discouraged. Yes, he was disheartened. But he has been encouraged by Paul. Now, Paul wasn't talking about theory. Paul didn't say, you know, God encourages me. You know how it is sometimes. You, somebody tells you, oh, God is an encourager. God is good. God does this and this and this. But it's just theoretical. Right? You're like, okay, tell me an example of when God comforted you. Paul gives us an example coupled with the theory. He says, God who comforts the downcast. How did God do that? God sent Titus. Because God just doesn't talk about it. God acts on it. Mm-hmm. So Paul is saying, I am not talking about theory. I'm talking about an experience. And I just want you to, to realize that Paul had been in a situation in which he needed God to comfort him several times. In fact, this is what Paul says. One time he was struggling. He, he felt like he wanted to quit and to give up. This is what he said in, in chapter 1 of, of 2 Corinthians. And I just want to run through this uh, real quick for you guys to get what, what, what I'm trying to say to you. This is what he says from his own lips. He says, I despaired of life itself. And we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And he realized, he realized this, that, you know, in, in spite of what I'm going through, I realized that, wait a minute, God wants me to be able to rely on him more. God wants me to be able to trust in him more. So the reason why I'm going through this situation and I'm struggling like this is because God wants to want me to rely on him more. And so when he was in Macedonia, please don't miss this. This is beautiful. When he was in Macedonia, when he was afflicted, Paul realized or understood that, yes, I'm struggling right now, but because of what God has done in the past, because of what God has done in my past experience, when I was discouraged, he is going to come through for me right now. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Paul is like this. I got paid last month. My check came in. My company transferred it in. Therefore, I know it didn't come on the right date. I didn't get the transfer on that 27th or 29th of the month. But I know because it came in last month, it's going to come in this month. Are you understand what I'm saying? Because when God has come through for you, it's a down payment for more payments that God is going to make in your life to come for you when you need his resources. We forget the past to our detriment. We forget the past to our own hurt. When you are in a difficult situation, the comfort should be God has been for me, has been with me, has been by me, and he's not going to leave me. He's going to 
show me who he is because he showed me who he is in my past experience. And therefore at this moment that I'm struggling, that is not working out. The comfort is God is going to come through. I realize that God comforts us repeatedly from this situation. I realize that. I have a, I have a, a friends who have a, a little boy. This little boy is, is now wobbling around the house. The, the whole house is a playground for him. He climbs uh, the chairs and he chews on everything. And because the little boy is walking now he has developed a little um a little um a little stubborn streak it's leaking out of him now you know he looks at his dad and his mom is like nah i'm gonna do what i want and sometimes because of that he gets hurt but his parents will come to him in his hurt and they'll comfort him and they'll say it's okay baby pick him up uh, this little boy sometimes when he wakes up he's alone in the crib and he starts to cry because he feels alone but his parents, when they hear his cries, they run to his crib and they comfort him. Uh, this little boy, this little baby, uh, sometimes he, he, he wants to sleep and he starts to cry. So his parents, they will pick him up and lay with him in the bed, giving him comfort. You and me, we are like that little boy. Sometimes we do uh, things that are silly. Sometimes we go against God's will for our lives. Yeah, we'll face difficulties, but God will come back and say, you know what? I'm with you. Sometimes we are, we are knocked out by life. We, we, we get bruises from life. Sometimes we lose a job. Sometimes we lose people that we love. Sometimes we lose things that are important. But God comes back and he, he, he tells us, I am with you. I'm never going to leave you. Sometimes people will leave us. Things will go wrong. But God is always there every step of the way. And so God always comforts us repeatedly he is there for us always there for you and i want you to know that right now god is comforting you pastor i don't know how god is comforting me well he is this word that i'm giving to you is a comfort from god yes it might sting you sometimes you may not like everything that i'm saying but it's god's comfort for you it's not always sweet when god comforts us Sometimes the comfort comes when your coworker has texted you. Sometimes the comfort comes when uh, you, you don't know who paid your bill. God finds ways and means to comfort us repeatedly. But I also realize that God comforts us vicariously. God comforts us vicariously. Meaning that God is going to utilize people. He's going to utilize those around us to bring us the comfort. And this is what you need to understand, that God has a great plan in place. And that plan in place is this, I will use human beings to be a benefit to other human beings. And so when you're praying to God, God, give me a job. The way God is going to comfort you is by using your friend to come to you and tell you that my company is hiring. <laughs> and you might say, ah, this is uh, not, not paying me as it should be paying me. I don't think this is good for me. And you might turn it down. But God is like, hey, I comforted you. I sent somebody. And so when, when God sent Titus to Paul, that was his way of saying, I am comforting you by using, uh, by using Titus to comfort you. Uh, let me make it plain for you. You see, you can order food from Imperial Kitchen. And a grab driver or a Gojek driver is going to deliver that food for you from Imperial Kitchen. Right? You didn't go to Imperial Kitchen, but the food from Imperial Kitchen has come for you. For you. This driver has been used vicariously to come to you. You have eaten food from Imperial Kitchen, but yet you have not set foot in Imperial Kitchen. Now, let me make it plain for you. God is just like that, that delivery man. He will bring something from heaven to earth for you. 
even though you haven't been to heaven, but you can experience heaven right here on earth. And that is what God does. There is a song in my country that says like this. When you pray to God to help you, when you pray to God to do this and that for you, God doesn't have ears. God doesn't have, doesn't have uh, eyes. God doesn't have hands. God's hands are the human beings around you. And so God uses those people to be of benefit to you. I also realized that God also comforts us salvifically. And now you see the monas of the book of 2 Corinthians is the idea of comfort. It is the bedrock of this book. But Paul got this idea from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 1 to 2. This is what the text says. Comfort, comfort my people. Say, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. You see, Isaiah's comfort was a soft opening for the comfort of Jesus. Ah, let me get plain. Let me make it sweet and nice for you. When, when Isaiah is preaching, Comfort, comfort, God comforts. He was thinking and looking forward to the comfort of Jesus. And the first time Jesus ever preached a sermon in Luke chapter 4, verse number 18 to 19. This is what Jesus said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Are you poor in spirit and poor in capital? Jesus can comfort you. Are you in prison of doubt and discouragement and, and debt? Jesus can comfort you. Are you blind in love or blind to God's love? Jesus can open your eyes. Are you oppressed by thoughts against yourself? Are you oppressed by people around you? I want you to know that God can comfort you. Now some people, when they want comfort, what they do is this. They will go and find comfort food. But the problem with comfort food is this. It may be good for you, but it will add calories to your system and it will put on weight on you. Some people, when they want comfort, they go to a man or a woman. The only problem with that comfort is they are not uh, committed. And some people, when they want comfort, they go on Netflix and watch their favorite movie. But I want you to understand that Jesus can meet your need for comfort. Yes, Jesus is the bread of life. He is the comfort food. Jesus is the bridegroom. He is that comfort that you need in commitment. Jesus is the greatest story ever told. He is the comfort that you need for an inspiration. He is the comfort that you need for that thing that is going to lift you up. And so the comfort that Jesus wants to give you and me is not just comfort to massage your, your bruises on your body and to take away your discouragement. No, because you need to understand that the greatest comfort we need is the comfort from sin. Oh, brother and sister, let me tell you, it is not COVID-19 that you need to worry about. You need to worry about the novel sin virus because a sin is continually mutating and it is, it is continually growing and metastasizing. But I'm glad that we live in the age of comfort because Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he brought in comfort. So you might be discouraged by, by offending somebody. You might have stolen money. You might have lied and cheated on your wife you may have lied and cheated on your husband you may have stolen money from your company you may have looked at pornographic movies you may have done things that we cannot speak about here but I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ oh Jesus Christ he can comfort you but you see when you've been afflicted, you're comforted. But I don't want to end at comfort. I want to end at delight because that's what happens next. 
And that's what Paul talks about in verse number 7. He says, and, and not only by his coming also, but by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. Paul, Paul was happy when he heard the news from Titus. Number one, that Titus was received well by the church because you know how it is. Don't stone the messenger, right? Just, just, just look at the message. Titus brought the, mess, the letter of Paul. And Paul was worried that, look, if Titus goes, people are going to stone him. Because people don't know how to separate the message from the messenger or the man. So Paul was worried. They, 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 they might stone him. They, they might put stones on him. But, he, but Titus comes back and says, you know what, Paul? Man, they comforted me so much. I slept in the elder's house. I ate from his table. They listened to your word. Man, it was great. So he was happy to hear he was delighted to hear that the, the, the work had been done. But secondly, he was delighted to hear that not only did they receive the message, but they changed from the message to the point that those who had left Team Paul, they came back and joined Team Paul. So Paul was delighted in the delight of others. Paul was delighted in the fact that Titus was delighting he was delighting in the fact that the church was delighting so Paul's delight was not a selfless delight Paul's delight came because he realized that this uncomfortable fight has achieved its purpose and there Paul delighted I'm here to suggest to you that we need to pursue we need to pursue the delight of others uh, we need to pursue what I call the delight of others. I want to suggest to you the pursuit of delight in the delight of happiness. We, we talk about the pursuit of happiness. Now, nah, let, let's talk about the pursuit of delight in the delight of others. Uh, Pastor, what does that look like? You have just finished worship service. You're ready to go. You have ordered your food. People are waiting on you. But before you make it out of the door, somebody needs to speak to you. Right? You are thinking about your hunger, but somebody needs to speak to you. Now, you can make a choice. Am I going to go to my appointment and tell him I'll talk to him later? Or am I going to speak to him right then and there? You have a choice. So, you know, you say to yourself, you know what? I'm not going to go to a lunch appointment. I'm going to put it on hold. I'm going to sit right here, have this conversation, bring delight in this person, change their day, lift them up. And then I'm going to go to my lunch appointment anywhere I can fast for a day. So it's all good. And because you do that, you, you make somebody happy. And that person is like, wow, this person is good. They have blessed me. They've been on my side. You have added value to that person. That's what we need to do. And this is what Paul was thinking about. You see, Paul was willing to put the relationship on the line so that he could bring delight in these people. He wasn't afraid to lose a relationship. He wasn't afraid to be in a tough spot. But if he knew that the tough spot would bring delight to these people, he would do it. That's what you need to think about when you think about your life. I know that my kids will be mad. I know that my husband or wife will be mad. I know that church members will be mad. I know that the pastor will be mad. But I know that this is the right thing to do. Because if, if, if the person understands that this is the right thing to do, and they, are, they, they actually do what they need to do, they are going to be a better person. Then, because they're a better person, they're going to be delighted. Then you're like, yeah, man, I'm going to do that. So, brother and sister, it's okay to put yourself on the line so that you can bring delight in the life of others. And that's what Fight Club is all about. You see, we talk about, we talk about Mother Teresa, not Hitler, because Mother Teresa helped. And she brought delight in the lives of other people. We curve by Judas and we go to Jesus because Jesus sought delight of other people we need to be those kind of people seeking delight in in the life of other people because that's that's the sweet spot of the uncomfortable fight right you're afflicted 
You get confident, but then you're delighted. You're like, man, I have actually won this fight. Like, man, things are good right now. Like, he is better. He's doing so much better because of me. We are in a better place. Man, that, that, that's, a, that's a sweet spot of delight because you know you have done something wonderful and amazing for that particular person. Yes, I am suggesting we need to do what I call embrace the PD2O, pursue delight. In the delight of others. PD2O. Pursue delight in the delight of others. John Piper says. He says. A life devoted to material comforts and thrills. Is like throwing money down a rat hole. But a life invested in the labor of love. Yields dividends of a joy. Unsurpassed. And ending. Brother we are going to fight. Uncomfortable fights. There'll be fights within. There are going to be fights without. There'll be fears within you. You're going to be afflicted. But after your affliction, you're going to be comforted. Hallelujah. But after comfort, you're going to swim in the ocean of delight. That's what God will do for you. When you put your life on the line... When you put your relationship on the line because you want to bring something better. When you fight an uncomfortable fight because you want to change the situation. You are going to swim in the ocean of delight. You know before you log off and maybe shut me out. I want you to stand with me in faith. To say you know what. I'm going to accept the PD2O mentality. Pursuing the delight in the delight of others. I'm going to pursue that. Today, I'm going to have God put me in a place, in a situation in which I'm willing to fight uncomfortable fights in order to bless somebody else. And like taking a contract, just an imaginary contract, you're going to write there, hereby I sign Henry Temple on this day, July 11, 2020, that I will fight uncomfortable fights. I will bring delight in the life of others. My friend, if you make that commitment with me today, you're going to see a change in your life. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed. Let us pray. Mighty Father, thank you for this moment. And I pray that you bless me and my brothers and sisters. We will have to fight sometimes. Teach us how, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.